Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Like Me podcast. I'm Corey Howe, and I'm here with Chris Gladden as always. What's going on, Chris? How we doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so first things first, we uh, we it's kind of weird the way we recorded the podcast last time because we it's been a week, I guess, since we saw Dragon Ball Z Super Brawly. But it's it'll have been two weeks by the time you almost two weeks by the time you listen to <laughs> yeah. this. So um, we're a little late, I guess. Uh, Would have been better to talk about it last last weekend, but um, we'll talk about it today. Um, so it, that's the first like the first Dragon Ball movie I've ever seen in a theater. Um, yeah, same here. I've never I've never actually watched one in a theater either. Yeah, so which was cool. I mean, seeing it on the big screen was cool. Um, I will say the one, and this is the one thing that I, I kind of mentioned afterwards was that the weird thing about the movie for me was, um, I'm so used to the shows mm-hmm. that everything just felt really, really rushed. Yeah. Because everything doesn't take 10 hours to take place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing in Dragon Ball, right? Like they do a really good job of like building suspense. Mm hmm. And kind of making things feel important, and and you know, but a, a lot of that is because it takes time for things to develop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but in this man, it's just like I feel like you know, every couple minutes, like some crazy something crazy happens. You're like, man, this would normally be like two weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, one of the, the only one of the only uh, critiques that I've got about the movie was. Um, that they kept changing the animation style during the movie. And, yeah. You know, Which some people weird. might not even notice that, but, like, I definitely, like, in some of the scenes, it just seemed like completely different people drew yeah. the scene. Um, and, and, and honestly, they might have. And it, and sometimes it was even within the scene, um, like, the action would change, and then all of a sudden, like, things look more, um, you know, digitally animated instead of hand you know, drawn or yeah. cell shaded kind of look that you normally find with Dragon Ball, and then and then even further, some scenes look extremely CGI. Yeah, um, which I mean, it's not a big deal, but it was it was distracting for me because I did notice it. And I'm like, why did they take those liberties? And, and, and maybe they didn't do it on purpose. I mean, it could have been production things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never really know. I have a hard time that any believing that any creative director would be like, yeah, let's just switch the animation three times. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to imagine that that it either was a limitation on the what they were doing or time or something. Yeah, and it's not the only anime that I've seen do it. Um, I don't know if you noticed that the Berserk movies occasionally did that, um, and then the uh, newer season of Berserk occasionally did it it, okay. it wasn't to the extreme that dragon ball did it but you but i would notice that the animation was slightly different in certain scenes it usually was when they hit those action scenes um it just felt it just felt very different and maybe you know that might have been for style purposes or whatever but well i will say also that you know i know you said you hadn't watched much of super mm-hmm. um but it did have a definitely different animation feel than dragon ball z did oh yeah definitely mm-hmm um, so obviously, I think some of that I've translated into this movie. Um, I did feel like it was there was also, but it was a little scaled back. Like it did feel like there were sometimes it did feel like Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the animation style where it was a little all over the place. But to me, I think that's easy to to get over. I mean, it yeah, wasn't, I mean, like I said, it's a small. Grade. Yeah, it was. It wasn't super distracting to me. Um, I mean, and overall, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I think uh, you know. 
you get a lot of information on um, the sands and their background mm-hmm. and kind of some stuff that you don't get to see um, outside of movies that are not canon. So you see some of that kind of stuff, the background stuff in movies that weren't aren't official. So um, this gives you kind of the this is this is what actually happened kind mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah. You know, you get to see um, Frieza and, and his his dad and and stuff like that and kind of. Um, how the, that transition takes place. Um, that was the other thing that kind of bugged me was Frieza's voice was different, and it's and you know that I didn't could be notice any that. I didn't notice it, but I, I you may be right. Um, it's one of those things where I guess just, I just wasn't paying. His attention. voice is so ingrained into my head. Yeah, that, like there's no like there's no other voice actor that's ever going to sound right. So if they couldn't get the original guy, I get it. Like it's whatever, but. It just. It I just can't remember even right in Super if he was the same voice. I, to me, and that may be. I honest, never got to the point in, in that, Super where he. Had, and that may be why, right? It, it may yeah. have been so long since I had seen Frieza and Z. Then I watched right. Super, and that's what I now I'm like, oh, this is Frieza, mm-hmm. and then I see that, and I'm like, it just sounds like Frieza, right? You know, yeah. Um, that may be the reason. I don't know, but um, I, I did like, like I said, the, the majority of the plot of the movie I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Brawley was a, was a an interesting character, a more interesting character than what, from what I know he was in the previous movies. Um, and, and just the whole kind of dilemma with the, you know, it gave some character to Vegeta's dad and, and mm-hmm. understanding kind of like, um, the way the Saiyans operated as a race and stuff, which I thought was kind of a cool, cool thing. Um, Goku again was t- just too, he's too much comedic re- relief for me now. Yeah. He's really become, I mean, yeah, he's really become the comedic relief, Which, and I get it every once in a while. But it seemed to be his whole character in this movie. Like, even when he was fighting, there were there were points where it was just like he wasn't taking it seriously. Um, yeah, you're right. Which is my big thing, right? Is like I'm fine with, and usually this is in most shows where you have like a guy that's the comedic relief. Mm-hmm. He's also not the serious protagonist, right? So that's where I think this is kind of... It just feels off to me because you have Goku who's supposed to be like this badass hero character, but he's also like doesn't take anything seriously and everything's a joke and he's dumb. Yeah. And it's like, how's that kind of work? And that's why I always say to me that the Frieza saga up until there is my favorite part in the saga was because he doesn't have that yet. He has a a couple goofy moments, Mm -hmm. but in general, like he's serious you know, and he he reflects that badass hero character, moment. right? And then and after he wasn't, that, he wasn't looking specifically to be tested as much. No, he was doing what he, he had doing, to do. Yeah. yeah, and now it's just you know become like right. I mean, he's almost like Saitama from One Punch Man right. at this point, where it's like you know he's he's just looking for that next guy to fight, and that's all that he cares about. And, and well, even, even Saitama, that's not even like his no. character. You know. He's got a lot more to it. He does want to find somebody that's going to challenge him, but there's so much more to his character. I feel like he doesn't want to do any of what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And he's doing it because he can, um, because he kind of feels obligated, I think. Um, But, yeah, I would agree that Goku kind of has that same kind of feel to it. Yeah. Um, And and the weird thing, I mean, even at the end of the movie, I mean, obviously, spoilers, if you've gotten this far, you've already gotten them, but... Um, you know, at the end of the movie, Goku tells Broly, like, I'm gonna come back and fight you. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, of course it's gonna, you know, like. And then now all of a sudden they're friends. 
Like, it, you know, it's like even Brawley well, was kind of like, he was like, okay, cool. You know, basically, yeah. like, it wasn't even, I don't know. I guess Brawley wasn't like, he wasn't in that berserk rage anymore, but it just seemed like they kind of dropped that whole thing a little too quick. Um, yeah. I would sure. like to have seen him, like, at least come at him and then, you know, Goku, like, defends himself and is like, hey, man, you know, I'm, right. just, I'm just here to, to, you know, to break bread, basically. Break bread yeah. And, and, and make a, a friendship or whatever out of this. Um, but I think that, uh, I think they did a really good job, like you said, of, of portraying the, the Saiyans again, um, in making Frieza, um, or kind of making it more concrete why I like Frieza so much. Okay. Um, because he is, I mean, they they just really emphasized his character more oh, in that yeah. in that arc and made it so you really started to understand that yeah, Frieza really is that guy. You know, he he really is this ruthless, you know, killer. He does not care, um, right? But but he still has like some personality. It's not like he's just like yeah, he's but just again, run around. That's something that happened with Frieza is after we got after in Super and towards the end when they um, kind of, I guess, and you haven't seen this part, but they eventually re- recruit Frieza to mm-hmm. help them fight in the Tournament of Power. Right. And and that's fine. But again, you, you start to get Frieza playing this little bit of comedic relief, too. And I'm like, that's not his character. And even in this yeah. movie, you know, you had, I mean, like the... Um, like the the whole him wishing to be taller thing, like, like why why is Frieza gonna the need to be the butt of the jokes? Like Frieza's got all these dumb little henchmen around, make them be the comedic relief, right? You know, like why is it get like you're just ruining this character for me because I don't I have a hard time taking him seriously now. It, it, yeah, I forgot about the whole I want to be three inches taller, three thing. centimeters or whatever, five <laughs> centimeters, like, and and what? um. And then, I mean, even the whole scene where they dump Brawly, or Goku and, and Vegeta dump Brawly on Frieza, like, that, I mean, even that was like, he was the butt of the joke, right? Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, I mean, yeah, that was cool. It was a cool strategy um, that they, you know, and it worked, obviously, but um, it just it just felt a little off to me. Like, like you could have done that in a more serious way instead of having to be like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Because that's my that's and that's my main complaint with the way Dragon Ball has gone um, ever since. Like, pretty really after. Well, I guess it stayed relatively serious through most of the Cell Saga, and then after that, when Boo, I mean, Boo's obviously like, like he's kind of a comedic relief character too, right? He's right. turning people into candy and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of silly stuff. Um, and then. In Super, you know, it just gets less and less. Everything's like less serious. I feel like it just feels less serious. Yeah. Um. And, and that's my main complaint with it is it, it it like I love Dragon Ball Z because at least in the earlier sagas it felt so serious. Like there was so much on the line. They were actually fighting for their lives for the, mm-hmm. the fate of the universe or Earth or whatever. Now it's like, huh, yeah, this guy's gonna destroy Earth if we don't win this tournament. But, huh. Yeah, Let's just fight people. I, like it, I can't like disagree, it, but a lot of animes are going that way these days. And I yeah. mean, I guess and, that's and that's a reason it, right? why I mean, you know I just don't really 90s. get into the animes yeah. as much. Um, but I mean, to talk about some more of the good of the show, yeah, for sure. I mean, the animation did look really good. It did um, for sure. You know when when they were doing the 
the the blasts and the kamehamehas and whatnot at each other. I mean that I thought that that looked really good. Um, the voice acting was pretty good. Yeah. Um, most of the characters um, didn't feel too pushed. I mean, you you know, you had the occasional, you had the, some of the comedic relief stuff, but it didn't feel like they were a bunch of useless characters just standing no, around. No. Like everybody had a purpose yep. that was in the movie. Um, everybody had a small little story that made them who they were, so that they they weren't just a complete background piece to the the show. They were they they uh, complemented the show instead yeah. of just you know being. Yeah, that's the one thing I will. You know, it, it did feel very from the start to the end was plot driven. There mm-hmm. was no point in time that I feel like I was watching something that had no relevance to yeah. what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, which is always good because it, you know um, a lot of movies struggle with that. Yeah, where you're like, okay, you could have cut out Aquaman. It was a good one. Like, why? Why did we just watch a lot of this? Yeah, you know. Um, and it was a solid like about two hours. Wasn't two it? hours, yeah, an hour exactly and fifty minutes, yeah, it was, basically. It was a it was a decent length. Um, so for them to be able to cram all that in there and then not have too much filler. Um, I mean, it kind of makes me want to just watch Dragon Ball Z movies <laughs> instead of the shows anymore. Yeah, um, I just don't know. I mean, the um, you know the old movies, like I said, I don't think are nearly as good. No, no, they're um, not. They're not good at all. I yeah. mean, they're they were something to to watch just because you ha- you know you were craving more Dragon yeah. Ball Z content back in the day, but they didn't add anything. I remember to the story. Uh, this kind of. Did you guys have a um, what was it man media play? Mm-mm. We had a, a media play, and they always—I think it was—it might have been another store too. But media play was this kind of like, um, kind of like Best Buy type place. Um, but they, you know, they had all kinds of DVDs and mo- or movies and all kind of CDs and all that kind of stuff. But they had a large selection of like anime stuff. Oh, okay. So like, I always loved going in there and like, you know, finding. Dragon Ball Z movie that you couldn't get anywhere else, kind of yeah, deal, right? Because think, the, like, you got to remember that existed. Like, yeah. that was a legitimate problem. Like, like oh, now, yeah. if you want to consume whatever anime or whatever, like, it's it's a couple key presses away. Yeah, not but only like, can you you can you can find just about anything, but you can usually find it for free too. Yep. Which, I mean, I like if it's something worth me sitting down and watching, I'm willing to pay for it because I want to support I want to support that anime or whatever, but. Uh, you know, like I said, there there are ways to find oh, these for things sure. if you really just want to watch them. And that just—it's weird to think though that there was a day in time where, like, if you were like, "I want to watch some Dragon Ball Z," yeah, but it's not going to be on Toonami. What was that store that used to be in the mall that was called? It was like Sun. I Sun, keep wanting to say Sun Dance or something Sun like that. Sun Coast. Yeah, they yeah, they we, had we a had bunch some, of anime. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying there was a couple uh, little too, like yeah. niche stores that mm-hmm. that carried stuff like that, and and I used to love going going in there and trying to find something. I yeah. usually got told no, but um, yeah, especially because I mean back in the day, I mean those DVDs were twenty thirty bucks. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I mean, I think the ones that I did have were probably like. I waited until they were on Toonami or something mm-hmm. and like just <laughs> recorded them with the VCR. Yeah, exactly. Um, but still, I mean, it's like I said, it's cool, you know, that we've gotten to the point where like that's not a thing. But also, yeah. at the same time, I kind of miss like that rarity factor. Yeah, the hunt. Like, the like in, in the thrill of like, shit, what's this? I haven't yeah. seen this before. Are you, you're something you've never even heard of. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. a lot of those movies, you, you like if you were here in America, like you would not even know they existed. Yeah, like Ninja Scroll was actually one of those. That oh, I, I could never, see that. Yeah, I never knew anything about it, and I'm like, I think it was actually Suncoast. I'm like, 
flipping through and I see this, you know, this dude is called Ninja Scroll on the front. This guy, I got this cool looking guy on the front. And I flip to the back and, you know, I'm kind of reading about it. I'm like, man, this is exactly what I want to watch. And, um, you know, I kind of gave it to my parents and I was like, hey, can can you guys get me this cartoon? And uh, it was this <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They uh, they probably never would have let me watch it if they'd have realized what it was. But, uh, you know, because I mean, this was the 90s. So I was, you know pre-adolescent yeah pre-teen yeah yeah Yeah, no i'm with you i mean um and it was hard i mean that was a lot of for me too is you know it's hard to convince your parents to buy something they're not familiar with like you know they don't understand what dragon ball is and you hand them a dragon ball dvd and like or vhs or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's relatively expensive and and you're in this kind of random thing and it's got japanese writing on it and whatever like yeah you know it's hard i mean you just have no i mean parents just have no idea yeah um but yeah, I mean, so I, I think that's kind of cool. Like I said, where we're at, where it's where we're getting to see it in a movie theater, right? Like, but also, like I said, I really do. And maybe it's just nostalgia, and I'm sure that I would prefer if if I actually went back and couldn't get a hold of anything, I'd prefer to have access to it. Right. But at the same time, I, I do kind of think that like we got by. Yeah, but you know, also being a kid, I mean, it was it was also kind of one of those things where it's like I know something that you don't know. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. That was yeah. part of the fun, right? <laughs> yeah. It was like, man. Have you seen this? And they're like, "What is that?" You know, and it's yeah. kind of. But you also get that from other people too, right? Because mm-hmm. how many times did your friend? Hey, have you watched this? And it's like, no. I remember my cousin had the. Um, I forget what it was, but it was like the the prequel to the Cell Saga, that like showed Trunks um, when he was in the future. Yeah. With Go and Gohan had like one arm, and they were fighting the Andro- and the androids were destroying the planet and stuff. Mm-hmm. After it was when Goku actually died from the heart disease or whatever, and that was like. Like you, you know, he was like, "Let's watch." I got this crazy Dragon Ball thing. We get to watch it, and it was, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and even actually, he also I remember introduced me to Dragon Ball, Dragon like the original. Oh because, yeah, because most people that wasn't that no, wasn't their first experience. No, Dragon absolutely, Ball Z was yeah. most people's first experience. Yeah, I mean, it, well, yeah. when we were going, I mean, it was. I don't even think Dragon Ball itself was on Toonami. No, I don't think it ever was on Toonami. So I mean, that was you know, like you said, it you got introduced to Dragon Ball Z through mainstream television, and mm-hmm. then. You know, you. I mean, I don't even think I realized. Like, I think I remember when I first got introduced to it. I'm like, "What do you mean? There's, there's Dragon Ball. Like, there isn't Dragon Ball Z. It. Right. You know, like, I didn't realize there was a Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, by the time it was on Toonami, I mean, you start like Dragon Ball GT was, yeah, was, was already. It, yeah. And I didn't even know that. Well, yeah. And and you know, I I didn't know a lot about it. I knew some about it. Uh, I didn't about know GT. GT. Yeah. Uh, but I did watch Dragon Ball when I was when I was a kid. I can't remember how I came across. I think it was at um, you know whatever the local uh, you know video rental store was. I can't remember yeah, what they the name of that one was, but it was you know probably Hollywood Video or something. But they had it, um, and so I watched it like one tape. One tape, not DVD. One tape at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the time, man. Um, and I really, I really remembered enjoying that. Um, like actually, when I was a kid, um, I kind of liked Dragon Ball more than I liked Dragon Ball Z. It was a little um, goofier. Yeah, it was, it was a little, little goofier. Fun. Um, a little and more I felt like too, really. Yeah, and I felt like that could be me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just like Kyle I was Paul a little kid. This, yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I wasn't sitting there idolizing adults the whole time. It was more of, Hey, this is a kid that, you know, is not much younger than me or even my age. I can't remember how old Goku was supposed to be in that time. And, but you know, I, I thought it was really cool cause he, he had all these neat things and you know, he was kind of doing it on his own. I mean, he had Piccolo and stuff like that, but most of the well, stuff, I mean, he was doing, really, he didn't have Piccolo. Yeah. 
I mean, that Piccolo came in towards the end after mm-hmm. the martial arts tournaments and stuff, and really they were enemies. Yeah. I mean, he had Bulma and, and Krillin and Master Roshi, but, mm-hmm. you know, still, I mean, he was largely doing it on his own. Yeah, I mean, he was fighting T-Rexes and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it was uh, just kind of, it was just fun. Like, yeah. I really, really enjoyed those. It is, it's so much goofier. So, I, you know, it's, it's always when someone, it's actually, I had this discussion um, a little while ago with a friend of mine about where to start somebody that hasn't watched it. I think Dragon Ball is a perfect, the perfect See, and place I, to start. I don't man. know because it feels so different than Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, but I think that I think that starting there gives you the basis for for everything else, and it's kind of fun and it's upbeat and it's it. There's not as much filler, I don't think, in Dragon well, Ball. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe not, but I mean, for, just for me, from a plot perspective, if you're seeing. Like and the reason here's the reason I say this. Let me give some context to why why I don't think that's the case. If you have somebody that's seeing like clips of Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Super, or um, they just know a little bit about like they don't know en- they don't know a lot they don't understand mm-hmm. the story, but they're seeing these really powerful guys doing these crazy yeah, things. If that's what you're looking for, and, and that's what I'm saying, right? Is you're going into the series expecting these like spectacular fights and right. crazy things to be happening and these badass characters, and then you go and you get like. Little goofy ass Goku fighting T Rexes, you're kind of like, what am I, what am I watching? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think for me, it might be better to start with Dragon Ball Z so that they get what they're looking for. Yeah, and my then, only problem with that is, is that I feel like the average person wouldn't go back and watch Dragon Ball, like, or they wouldn't enjoy Dragon Ball if they went back after watching Dragon Ball Z and watched it. Um, the, maybe I, I mean I think I don't think that I would have as an adult uh, liked it. I just liked it more when I was a kid because, again, I was voracious for Dragon Ball content. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like it because it's different, right? And it gives, I like it because it gives me context for the things that I already know. Mm. And, like, that's the thing, right? I get, so, like, watching Dragon Ball Z, I get the, the good main story. Right. And then I'm like, well, I want some more. Let, let's go learn, um, what, like, the, like, prequels, right? Like, what happened before? And you get that. I and mean, it's a little different, but it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it's still context in the same thing that you like. Yeah, my th- my thing about it is it's just the build up to everything because like I feel like I feel like it's uh, did you ever watch Spartacus? I didn't know. So in that show, you know, it was about Roman gladiators or whatever. And uh, in that show, there was a seat. There were two seasons that were the regular show, and then all of a sudden they threw in this prequel in there, and then they started going back into what into the rest of the show. Okay, and I really hated that because. I felt like the regular show had so many spoilers in it um, because of that. And I kind of feel the same way about like going back and watching like Dragon Ball uh, after Dragon Ball Z. Like I feel like you just lose some of the magic from Dragon Ball, even though that third season was probably the best season of Spartacus, but it just took away from everything else in Spartacus in my opinion. I can understand that. So like if I told somebody to go back and watch that, I would definitely tell them to watch season three first. And then start watching the, the whole thing. And I think that, you know, but I don't think that either way is wrong. Like, that's just my personal, right. like, how I would want to, if I were getting introduced into it, I would want to start with Dragon Ball. Um, and uh, my friend, uh, well, you know Nenny. Yeah. I, I got him to watch Dragon Ball first, and, and he kind of preferred it that way. But, you know, if somebody is really into it for that action 
and they want to see like you I just, said the big I just, explosions. The, I just and stuff feel like, like the that. payoff is quicker. Yeah, and like for me to get somebody interested in something and keep them interested, you got to get them to the payoff. Yeah, and I feel like watching you know all hundred. I, there, I should I think there's like a hundred episodes of Dragon Ball. Like it's yeah. not like it's it'd be different if it was like thirty episodes. And it's like come on man, give it. 30, 30 minute episodes. I mean, this is, you're talking 15 hours. That's a I week. mean, but it could also be one of those things where you start with that one. And if it's, if it's not paying off for you, if you're not enjoying that you skip story, forward, you yeah. just skip forward. I just, I just always thing. worry with that. Like that if someone, if someone's not interested, they're just not going to go back regardless. Well, they don't deserve Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I mean, in Dragon Ball Z, like you said, and that's honest. And this is, I know this is going to be a controversial opinion, but I almost recommend that people start with Kai. Oh, I won 100% over it. Except, well, except the music. And it, it the sucks. Music, I know. Man. I know. I know. But <laughs> but again, you cut out all the filler. Yeah. You get right to the plot points that so, matter. You so get a little do, bit better animation. So what you do is for the first time that you ever watch an episode, watch the original American Toonami release so that you can at least hear the, the theme songs once. Yeah. I mean, really. It's, and then it's, you, it's record the those, music you record that, those. Yeah. And then you just play them at the beginning of every episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the voices are really different. The voices are pretty different in Kai, too. Um, yeah, some, some, uh, of, some them, of them are. Yeah, some um, of them are the same actors. Yeah, like but Goku some of them and Vegeta are, are the same for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I mean, and that to me, I guess, is like, I, but let's put that in context. If you're coming from outside, you're not going to, you're not going to have that. This is what the voices should be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so why and while they may objectively be worse, right? The music is definitely objectively worse. The voice acting is probably just different. I don't yeah. know that you could qualify it as yeah. better or worse. It's probably actually better from a quality standpoint, but but worse from maybe like a char- like a just what you think a character should sound like perspective, right? Um, yeah. Like <laughs> Have you ever heard what Japanese Goku sounds like? Yeah, ridiculous. I watch I watch Super <laughs> I, in that's Japanese. That's another reason that I can't watch I don't like watching dub stuff is because sometimes the characters just sound so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really hard to get used to, but I, I got over it cuz I wanted to watch it. Yeah. Um but I but yeah, I normally recommend that somebody starts with Kai because it's easy to get them through the story and to the cool stuff that that gets them hooked, right? And then Yeah. You know, once you watch that, you can go on to Super if you want. You can go back to Dragon Ball if you want. Hell, you can go watch Dragon Ball Z again, but watch, like you said, the American Toonami releases. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough decision. I'm curious to see what other people think, um, you know, as far as what's the, the right way to start. Yeah, I would definitely like to hear other people's opinions. So when we post this, please feel free to either tell us or post it in the... Uh, Posted in our in our post. I'm trying to find a, some some voices from Goku real quick on YouTube oh, before, we, oh. before we pass on. So this is so this is obviously English Goku. This is the original English Goku, which this probably sounds very strange, but he's he's powering up. So <laughs> well, that's when he's turning Super Saiyan. Yeah. yeah, he's becoming Super Saiyan. About to fight. About to fight Frieza. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Where, where's the Japanese voice now? Come on now. Oh my god. They're not going to give me the Japanese voice? Nope. Where's the Japanese voice? Is this it? Come on. Oh, no. Nope. Oh my god. 
Oh, there it is. This sounds like it. This this isn't Goku. This is this is King Kai. King Kai sounds cool. I can I can dig King Kai's voice, but come on, Goku. Even the music. <laughs> it sounds like that like sixties or seventies like action music. I mean, it's that's straight eighties nineties kind of anime <laughs> stuff though. <laughs> now this is Goku powering up here. Come on, let me hear your voice. That's Gohan. Come on. <laughs> what is this is just him powering up this whole thing? Like, come on. Welcome to Dragon Ball, by the way. <laughs> Our Dragon Ball C. Oh, here we go. Come on, you gotta say something now. This is him in Super Saiyan. This video is just trying to make me look bad here. He's it's... doing a good job. Here you go. This is Goku. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a woman speaking. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's even worse in Super, really. Yeah, so... Anyway, sorry that took no, so and, long, but... It was... <laughs> and, and, yeah... I will agree, though. The Japanese stuff is, is hard to listen to. The music, and, and that's the thing. Is the music, I think, in Kai, and even what the Dragon Ball Z, it's on Funimation, I think is the music from the Japanese show. Yeah, the original Japanese Yeah, it's not show. the Bruce Falconer stuff, which is the good stuff. I mean, I don't, and I don't know why this isn't, like... Why did they not use this? Like, I don't it's, know. I don't, it's so much better. I just wonder if Kai is owned by different people or something like that and they don't have the rights to this music or what but this music was right yeah. that's so like it's so much better than what they play yeah dragon 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 <laughs> dragon balls but yeah I mean I don't know so anyways I'm curious <laughs> to hear what people say about uh, what, where they would start the series cause um I'm sure there's a lot of good opinions, and, and there's probably no, like you said, there's no right way to do it. I think the important part, and, and this is, I mean, well, I say that, I'm going to say this, but it, the important part is to stick with it. Because, like, it's not, it doesn't adhere to today's standards, yeah. I don't think. So you have to kind of take it with some, like, with a grain of salt, almost, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, if, if you like, like, if you're a My Hero fan, or you're a modern anime fan, this is going to be hard to, to I'll tell you, know, you what though if you're like meal prepping or something like that like you can yeah. easily play this in the background well, that's a lot of you, <laughs> you know, know Dragon, like, Dragon Ball Z is one of those things that I that's you know I, I, when I watch it that's pretty much what happens I'm doing something else yeah and I'll throw it up there because you know you go through like 10 minutes of nothing happening and then like you can pay attention yeah for the cool stuff and then you know, walk away and they're doing stuff that just doesn't matter um and, and I hate that it's like that but I mean it is what it is so, uh, anyways, um, we uh, just want to talk about a little bit of Dragon Ball Z since hopefully everybody's seen Brawly. If you haven't, um, go see it. If well, you've already heard all the spoilers now, so. <laughs> but uh, but it, it'll still be worth your watch because it is a visually Here, impressive. Here's your movie. spoiler warning for the last thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, watch out for the spoilers that you already listened to. Um, yeah, probably should have done that first, but. Uh, Hopefully, uh, people understand if we're talking about, hey, we're going to talk about the movie, that they understand there's going to be spoilers. Yeah. Um, 
But anyways, uh, so one of the other things we've kind of been kicking around talking about for a couple weeks is um, how to balance games and that, you know, not just video games, but any kind of game you might play, because that's one of the things that I think is probably one of the toughest aspects of game design. Yeah, absolutely. I Um, mean, it's, you know, and some games, you know, I mean, we've kind of talked, we talked a little bit about it before, but some games are not designed to have balance and then some games are too balanced to where there's not a lot of there's not a lot of flavor to them like like checkers you know it's, right there's only there's only two things that you're it's doing simple right yeah <laughs> um and uh you know chess i mean can kind of fall, fall along with that but and th- those are very well balanced games though in both the advantage goes to the first player yeah. Um, the advantage is all you know is going to always be with white, and the advantage is always going to be with uh, red. Uh, you know, in yeah. checkers because they get to go first, so they're the they're taking the initiative. They're setting the tone for the whole rest of the well, game. Well, you force somebody to respond, right? Yeah. So that's always the thing: is you make a move, and your move is almost never wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because nothing has happened. Yep. So you force the other person to do something in response to what you've done. Mm-hmm. And basically you have the opportunity to just make neutral moves that are neither really good nor bad until they make a mistake. Right. Um, at least that's the way I see those games. You know, you can obviously set up traps and do all these good things over time. But I think in general, you know, when you're going first, you're try like you're probing a little bit and waiting to see what they do. Mm hmm. And then yep. you react to what they do. Yeah, you know, exactly. You're never re. I mean, to, to be that. Yeah, you. I, you're. Yeah, going first in those kind of games has got to be. Um, and, and I don't know. I've never played competitively. So if you play, when you have you played either of those competitively? I mean, I used to play a lot of chess. Yeah. So would do you if you're playing like do you play best two out of three? I guess. Mm-hmm. And do you switch sides? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, so there, there's your balance, right? If the person that goes first gets the upper hand, then after the first game, you switch. Yeah. So yeah, then, I mean, it's just like you know, it's just like in Magic, where you know, going first is a very powerful thing in Magic, and if you win the first game, then you're going to switch. Yeah. And the other person's going to get to go first, and then you know, whoever wins that game, you know, decides if there's even another game or if you're going to switch again. Um, so it's. You know. But even then, the person that went first, if you're playing that third game, goes first again, right? If you're playing the third game. It, well, if they won... So that depends. So if you went first and lost the first game, right. you're going to go first again the second so game. So whoever loses goes first. Right. Okay. That's interesting, yeah. Well, whoever actually, whoever loses gets to choose whether they go first or not. Okay. So, but you're almost always going to want to. 90% of the time, yeah. There's certain situations. Well, I would even say 98 percent of the time. Yeah. Um, but there are certain situations where it would be better to be on the draw. Um, reanimator decks are one of those reasons, um, and uh, I think uh, dredge decks are another one of those reasons why you would want to do that. Um, but I won't go too into that. But getting getting back to to how balance works in those games, like like I said, even those games that are considered perfectly balanced games are not perfectly balanced. Um, if you think about, um, you know, uh, games like, um, let's say Uno. Yeah. Like, that game 
statistically is balanced, but you could always get the worst cards. You know, you, you yeah, might I mean, never you're drawing, get... right? I mean, there's some randomness to that. Right. Um, so it's really hard. I mean, if you just look at, at, at it from like just common games that you play every day, Monopoly, the person that goes first is still going to have the advantage because, again, they're the first person that's going to be able to land on something and buy it. And then they're going to be the, the first person to buy a second thing generally and, and so on. So whoever's going first in most games is going to have the initiative. Um, and there's some games where going first is not not as advantageous. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know that there are games out there that go in second. But um, but it's the gonna, same problem, just opposite, right? Right. I mean, if going first is an if, if there is an advantage to whatever order you go in, mm-hmm. then I mean, it's you know, um, and yeah, I think you know the key is like you said that not, nothing is gonna be perfectly balanced. Mm-hmm. Um. That kind of defeats. I don't want to say it defeats the purpose of a game, but um, I think how do you design a game without flaws? And, and the the way you try and do that most of the time is randomness, mm-hmm. right? Is you try and make it so that different you have different uh, you, you draw different cards or whatever, so that somebody you can't control everything kind of right. deal, right? Exactly. Um, but. That's also inherently flawed too. Yeah, because they they can lead to auto losses. I mean, in Magic, auto wins. I mean, right? I mean, depending, you know, you could draw that perfect opening hand, Mm -hmm. and then if you're going first, you're gonna win. Yeah, like you can win before they even play anything. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely advantages to that, but I mean, if you if you just look at it, look at game design um, in general, like balance isn't something that people like and really want. People say that they want balance, but most people don't really want balance. They want the game to be fun. Um, they want to feel like the game is balanced, which everybody wants the game to feel like it's balanced. Well, 90% of people want it to feel like it's balanced, but they don't exactly want it to be perfectly balanced because they want their strategy to be able to be the one that wins. And if they're, if, if, if that's if their strategy is always the one that wins, the game is not the balanced. game is not balanced. Um, you know there there's a lot of ways that you can balance games. Like you said, with randomness, I, I don't know if I would say that that balances games, but that that adds um, the inhuman element to it, where you're not just deciding the outcome by, like you said, deck building or because you just know the perfect combination of yeah. things, um, it it adds it adds something different. But the problem with randomness is it's generally a very small numeric number that's being randomized. So you're talking about a, a sixty card deck. How random is that deck really? You know, because you've got four, you've got four of each card generally, and then you've got your lands and. It's it's sixty cards. So your your opening hand is seven cards. You're you're down to you know to you know fifty three cards, and it, it's you're not really getting true randomness from that. I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Like when you roll dice, to actually get to the point where rolling dice is statistically um, at parity, you have to roll thousands and thousands sure. and thousands of dice. Whereas like you're playing Monopoly. You're rolling two dice. 
um, you know, how many times? I mean, how 50, many, how many I mean, times? I don't yeah. know. I mean, I mean, but it's not. If if even close to 50, you know, I mean, you might not even get anywhere near that well, number so, unless the game goes really, so really the, long. The, the problem is that the only way to make it balance, or you could achieve parity quicker with a computer, right? Yeah. Because you could just compensate for, well, I've rolled two sixes already. Mm-hmm. Guess I can't roll a six this time. You know, but then is it really random? Yeah, it's not random. At that and point, it's not random. And that's random. my point, right? You're, and then you're defeating the purpose. And I don't think a I don't think a computer can ever truly be random because the design of the design of the program that randomizes things is inherently balanced, right? So if it's balanced, it's not random, right? Because there's there's statistical yeah. codes like it says, you know. It, the the only time that I think that that I've ever seen something that's truly that I would I would consider truly random, and it's like you're going out to the, like the quantum level is random.com. They use the vibrations of like the Earth's surface or something like that to statistically decide what number comes up. It's like so, some kind of weird thing like that. I don't remember exactly how it works, but it's some kind of huh. seismic measurement is what helps produce the randomized numbers. Um, and that's one way you're not actually using a computer program. You're using a computer program and an, outside, yeah. and an outside source. Um, but like, you know, I had an argument with a friend years and years and years ago about how computers weren't truly random and he was like well yeah they're random because i made a randomizer you know when i was in high school um you know in this in this tech program and i'm like well how did you write that and you know basically when he talked about how he wrote it out it's like you're you're giving it inputs and those inputs are making decisions so it's not random if like if there if decisions are being made it's not random i mean that's so i think that the well I see what you're saying, but I think the key is to understand for gaming purposes, random may not be random, right? No, I understand. Ran- I'm just saying... Random needs to be everything happens on an... I'm just taking it really extreme is what I'm doing. I mean, I, I completely understand. I don't like think... Like if I say the statistical for, for dice, right? Yeah. So we have... Uh, was it 17% for each one? Something like that? 16.3. Yeah, so... Right so 16, or 16.6666. Yeah, so... Infinity. Right, yeah. So if you could write a program that every one of those numbers... Over a certain period of rolls, mm-hmm. say a hundred rolls, right? Over a hundred rolls, you're going to get. Um, well, it wouldn't be perfect. You would have to do it out to like 166 or something, you know. Right. Uh, however many rolls, you're going to get each of those, each number, a certain amount of times, and therefore it's it's ba- That would be maybe maybe not random, mm-hmm. but it would be balanced, right? Because each number is going to come up the same amount of times. Mm-hmm. But then, does that defeat the purpose? Kind of. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it depends, right? If your if your purpose is balance, mm-hmm. it might not be. Yeah, but but even in that program, like, how do you decide how many times? You know, I got. I guess you're making a decision. Like, Based how on, many times are you? How many times in a row can a person roll a one before it automatically makes it roll something else? So right. Well, yeah, I mean, you would get to the point where it can't roll the one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there's the chance that even if you're saying that it's balanced, unless every time I roll a one, the next roll is a six, you're never going to truly still have that balance until you get to that that infinite number 
or maybe not infinite, but like thousands of numbers into the future is the point that you you hit that parity because there's even if you balance it to like say what that like you can only roll a, a one six times before it makes it so no, you can't so roll a one at all. What I was saying was you would hit. I mean, the way I would do it, and this is without a lot of thinking about it, but you would have every time you roll a number, mm-hmm. it would be less likely that the the next roll is that number. Right. But there's still a chance and, that it's that number again, correct. right? But then and every then time, again, there's still a chance that it's, it's that smaller number again. And smaller. Right. So, yeah, I understand that. So you're probably never going to roll six ones in a row. I mean, it might happen, but if you get down to in, in the last, if you were to, and again, it's it, it would build on itself, right? So it's not like, okay, there's a 5% less chance each time. It's like, mm-hmm. well, the first time there's a, Five percent less chance you roll a run again. Right. The I, next, I completely the next time there's saying. a thirty percent chance, and the next time there's a fifty percent chance. But I'm saying that there's still a chance, so that there is that statistical chance of you rolling. Because I mean, even rolling a d6, like every time the chance becomes significantly smaller that you roll a six again. Right. So you have a one in six chance the first time, a one in thirty six chance to roll that one again. Yeah, because it, well, yeah, it means one over six times one over six times one over six. Right. I mean, however many times you want to roll it, right? So, so I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I've played games where I've rolled six ones in a row, which on the same die is not statistically impossible, but it's so statistically unlikely that, you know. But I'm just, I mean, like I said, it doesn't really matter. I mean, random, there there is enough randomness in there, but to truly to truly call something balanced, I don't think that we have random correct to say that making something random makes it balanced. No, but it, it, what the way it balances it is it because you were talking earlier about di- otherwise there would be one strategy that just wins. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would have a, you'd have to, you'd be able to min max and say without rant, there's no random chance in this. This combination of stuff is the best. Yeah. Whether that's cards in a deck, whether that's, um, weapons in a video game, whether that's miniatures in an army, there would be an answer. Mm-hmm. So that what that randomness does is it doesn't necessarily balance like it makes everything even, but it makes the it makes up for the fact or or um, it compensates in both directions for things that are slightly worse and slightly better. Yeah, I understand, and right? I mean, but the my problem with it is. Is that it just somebody, makes more stuff viable? That's all yeah, it does. It does. It, it doesn't make anything. The best stuff is still the best stuff mm-hmm. because even if you're taking you for uh, magic, we talk about magic logs. So that's the easiest example. If you there is a best deck. Mm-hmm. Now the the difference is if you don't draw the right stuff and somebody else draws the right stuff, it doesn't matter, right? And that's the difference, right? A brand new player can beat a, beat like the number one player in the world. Because the number one player in the world draws the wrong cards, yeah, and they never can play. You know, they never get to the point where they play the game, and the other guy draws exactly what he needs. And you know, there's there's actually you know a reasonable number in the you know statistical number in there that you know that can happen a reasonable number of times. That's why like Magic isn't a game where it's you one loss and you're out. You know, yeah, that's why you get those three games so that you can make up for that because likely. In it's three games, be, yeah. the better player is probably going to win. I mean, there is a chance that both two yeah. games, they completely get screwed, or you know that that person gets extremely lucky, um, that kind of thing. But that's also one of the things that bothers me about randomness. Um, but 
but it does make things more fun for most people. You yeah. know, it's but the person the best with. player in the room, you know, if if there wasn't that randomness, they would always win. Yeah. But because of that randomness, the second best player in the room has a chance and the third best player in the room has a chance and you know, everybody technically has a chance, but like, you know, your chance you know, the further worse. that you get away is going to get a lot worse. Uh, you know, when you go to magic tournaments and stuff like that, you know, especially at uh, local game shops, it's usually the same three dudes at the top. Um, I, and I don't say that to, like, discourage people from playing in those tournaments. Well, you got to get better, right? Yeah, but it's it's not like they're always the top three, you know, because sometimes there's going to be other right, people Right, maybe the guy there. that wins one time comes in 10th the next time. Yeah. But one of those top three guys probably won. Yeah. Exactly. You know. that, that kind of thing usually happens. Like, um, you know, I feel like most of the time when I played in, in, like, the local tournaments, like, if I wasn't in first place, like, I was usually pretty close to, to, to being up there. Um, but I, you know, but I lost to, to, to people that don't usually that don't usually get up there. I mean, usually the people that I lost to were the people that had these decks that I'd never seen before. Well, and that's a really <laughs> good point, right? So this, and I don't know if we've touched on this before, but the idea of um, like when you understand a meta in any game, right? Mm-hmm. Not just Magic, whether you're playing a video game or you're playing Dungeons and Dragons or you're playing anything, right? And you understand the people you're playing against and, and what the most viable strategies are. And you, you prepare and learn to, to, to play against those. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times what will happen and that's the kind of situation that you're hitting at is you'll play somebody. They may not be good at the game at all, Yeah, but they're doing things that are so unorthodox mm-hmm. that you don't know how to stop them. Yeah, or you're just your deck is just not built to stop that thing. That's like, what I'm saying. But like it, the meta is a bunch of small, cheap creatures, but this guy plays just big enough creatures that you can't kill any of those creatures because you're only doing like three damage, and he, you need to do or, five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100. percent I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Like, and even you can you can see that in video games where you have like um, it, it's especially interesting in Dota that you, you hear this talked about all the time that. Where people struggle is that they will... You'll have guys that are not very good at the game, right? They're mm-hmm. in a certain ranking um, because they're new. But what they're doing is they're watching all these pro players play. Mm-hmm. And they're learning from them. But the problem is the people that they're playing in the in the ranked games that they're playing... Are at a different scale Are level. not doing the yeah. same thing. So they're preparing for strategies and learning strategies that aren't going to work. Mm-hmm. And the problem in Dota is it's not just you. Yeah. So no matter how good you are, no matter you are doing the right things, if your teammate, if what you guys are doing as a team does not synergize, mm-hmm. you're going to lose, and your yeah. ranking is going to stay the same. So you see a lot of people stuck in, in, it's called the MMR, it's like the matchmaking ranking or something. Elo hell is what people. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you get stuck <laughs> in this thing where, like, you can't you can't progress through the rankings mm-hmm. because you're technically playing at a higher level than the people that you're playing against. And that makes it harder. Yeah. Which is so counterintuitive, right? It's like, if I'm, if I'm good at this game, if I understand the high-level strategies, if I can play like they can, why am I getting beat by these guys that are technically worse than I am? Right. Yeah. That are making bad gameplay decisions, that are doing things that don't make sense, right? And it's because 
it's more comp like it, that to me is uh, it's balanced to a certain extent right and you can't predict what those players are going to do if you uh, i don't play dota but i'm i'm sure i mean i know it's a lot like league of legends so uh, yeah, i'll use same, some same. league of legends talk same thing but like in league of legends like you can go you can jump into a bush and jump out and shoot you know there's like strategies where you're you're bouncing in and out of the bushes or you're 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 doing jungling stuff and you're you're coming out of the jungle and and doing different things but the high level players, like at certain time frames, you know that they're going to come out and do these things. Like there's certain times, like okay, at this point in the game, we're level six or level three or whatever. Um, you know, you can always guess that that jungler has cleared the entire jungle, yep. and they're going to come and try to gank somewhere because that's the most efficient way to do it. But right. the problem is somebody's not that efficient. Yeah. And then, so the other guy <laughs> so comes it, when it, everybody's right. level four and you're not expecting it anymore. Yep. And all of a sudden he's not only is he level four, but he's also got, you know, a flash ability that you weren't expecting him to have. Cause that's not, you don't build that way. Yeah. yeah you don't I build mean, that way. And so he like, <laughs> like not only is he like jumping halfway across the screen to get to you and you weren't expecting him at that time, but like your, your, your teammates not prepared for it either. Cause right. he's sitting here just, he's not even paying attention to the mini map. He's just yeah. watching. He's just watching what's what's in front of him. He's just trying to get those last hits on those little minions on so he can creeps, get that money. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just yeah. I mean, in Magic, um, you know, we call those rogue decks. So you've got these decks that. Uh, well, I mean, I guess rogue decks are more the decks that are built to beat the higher tier decks. Um, but you, but then you also have like these home brews and stuff like, like jank that, or, decks or yeah, right. jank decks and whatnot. But the the rogue decks are the ones that I that you always got to worry about because those are the ones where people are like, okay, well, death this death shadow deck is the best deck in the meta right now. So this I'm gonna play the deck that always beats death shadow, and I'm gonna not be nearly as good against most of the field, but. If I win my first game, I'll probably play a Death Shadow player the next game. Right. And then if I win that one, the chances of me playing a Death Shadow player the next game Pretty is going to be higher because they're probably winning. And then you get to the top because you had the, the best answer. deck you for that answer. tournament. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of viable. And to me, that's how you balance it, right? Mm-hmm. Is you make things. It just requires thinking outside the box and not just prescribing to this is the best way to do it. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, um, Counter-Strike's a great example for video games where there's a, a pretty prescribed way that you should do things on a lot of maps. And it's like, you, you'll die because it's like, why are you there? Yeah. You there, You shouldn't be there. Like, no, why? Are you, that's a terrible idea for you to be there. But you die. Mm-hmm. So you then it's kind of counterintuitive because you're like, well, I can't really tell you it was a dumb idea for you to be there because you killed me. Yeah. But at the same time, it really doesn't make sense that you're there. No, I, I completely understand that. Um, like, like in uh, you know, I can think of games that I played in Call of Duty where you know everybody always rushes to the left, and you know the other team rushes to the you know to their left, and so you're not ex- you're not really expecting somebody to show up on your left side, their right yeah, side, yeah. by themselves. Um, because the strategy is always, well, we got to run around and, and flank each other on this map. That's what everybody always does. And then there's that one guy that comes running through with the freaking Uzi or the shotgun. Yep. And he kills like half your team because half of them are looking yeah. 90, degree, 90 degrees in the wrong direction. <laughs> yep. You know, and I, I, I agree with you that I think that finding those things in metas, I, I think one of the most important things about playing games is understanding the meta. And the meta is not always 
you know, that top tier, like you said. No, like, it's not. It's just scales. because you're watching yeah. just because you're watching a Grand Prix or just because you're watching, you know, the world championships of Dota or Counter Strike or whatever. And, and I think yeah, it doesn't mean that's the best way to do it. Yeah. But what I think you'd need to learn from those types of things is not the... Spe- and this is where I think people get confused. They watch the specific things people do. Yeah. Instead of understanding their decision-making process. Mm-hmm. Because it's not necessarily about, oh, this happens, play this card. Right? right. It's about, in the context of what's happening, what did he do and why? Yeah. Which is... Two, there are two very different things. Yeah, like when you're, when you're playing Magic and you see... Like, when you're watching a Grand Prix or something like that, you can see both players' hands somewhat, or the announcers will say, like, what's in their hands and whatnot. You see what's on the battlefield, but you don't get to see what decision led them to making that decision. Because sometimes you'll see something and you're like, well, why the heck did he do that? And it's because, you know, he knows that the only way he's going to win that game is by making this decision. And with the, you know, whereas you might be thinking, well, in this instant, this is the best decision to make, right? But that doesn't get this guy to to winning the game. It just gets him past this point in the game, right? Right. So you know when when you have a kill spell in your hand, your opponent has a creature on the battlefield. It's really easy to be like, well, I, I should just kill that creature. Um, you know, that's that uh, currently that's the most important thing. But the next turn, he could have the creature that wins the game, and that creature that you just killed was. Warmless. Was just you know it was just there. Yeah, two um, two. Wouldn't, I mean, it's not going to do anything, yeah. right? It's like all right. So you got to make those decisions um, <clears throat> based on the context of everything that you know. So what are the chances that your opponent is going to have that other creature? You know, that's going to beat you. Well, the um, longer he goes without it, the more likely that chance is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the bottom line, yeah. right? Is if all he's played that game is that one little chump creature, mm-hmm. and you know what deck he's playing. Yep. The, the more turns that pass and the more times he picks a card up off the top of that deck, the more likely it gets that he has it and can cast it. Yeah. So, you know, I think, again, that's context, right? If maybe if it's early in the game and he, you know, it's turn two and he plays that little chum creature, yeah, blow it up. Because you're going to stop whatever he's trying to do. Right. But if it's you're turn, changing the tempo Right, if it's game. turn six and he's kind of not done much for the last three turns... He's do he I mean chances are he's holding something right or he's he's got something to, to do right mm-hmm. that might be more important um than been blowing that creature up so yeah I think it's it, again it's all about context and learning um like I said and that's why watching the games is so important and not just to watch what they do specifically but when they're doing it what the other what the the entire context of the game I just think it's so easy when you see p- people talk about meta they're like well this deck mm-hmm this combination of cards or this card is so good. And it's like yeah. that card is really good. Yeah. Within the confines of, of a certain context. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't always exist. It in, doesn't get countered. And right. You have enough mana to cast it. And, you know, you're in a position where it's not just going to die immediately. Like, or you've got the right other cards in your hand or you, ha- mm-hmm. they, or they have the right cards in their hand or you yeah. have the right cards in your graveyard or, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? Your, your health is at a certain point. I mean, there could be a lot of things that make a card good, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not just play this card, win game. Right. Right. I mean, um, th- that, that would be completely unbalanced and that's part of the, what makes Magic in, in most games, most good time to test time tested games, good mm-hmm. is that it's not a specific combination of things that is just better. Yeah, and one of the, I mean one of the other things that's kind of frustrating about balancing games 
is that generally when a game first comes out, it's not going to be perfectly balanced. No, it um, takes time because they can't anticipate how people are going to use yeah, stuff. I mean, exactly. that's the bottom line, right? Like, you can't assume that your staff that are making this game know every combination of cards and what's going to be yeah. really powerful and whatnot. Like, Magic went a really long time without banning anything in Standard, and then two years ago, I think, like, they had, like, the first Standard banning and I don't, I don't know how long, but it was it was quite a few years. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be in uproar about it because you're taking these cards that are really good and you're saying that I can't play with them anymore. And, right. You know, after, and it's usually after they've gotten their play sets, which really sucks. I mean, if you got, you know, if you got $50 cards and you've got a play set of them, you, know, you spent bucks. 200 bucks and on these And the cards, value tanks after it's banned. The value really tanks after it's banned. Um, so I can understand why people would be upset by it. But does it make the game better? It and certainly it probably does. does. Yeah. Um, you know, in Magic, we just had a banning uh, earlier this week. Um, in Modern, it's uh, go- or uh, Crack Clan, Car- I- yeah. Crack Clan Ironworks. Yeah, yeah. And that's the you know that's the first card that's been banned in Modern in a while. Um, and you know, a lot of people were upset. Usually, people that had that card or that played that deck are going to be was upset. Central to their strategy, but yeah. the rest of the people are happy because that deck was dominating too much. Yeah, I mean, same thing with Deathrite Shaman and, and Legacy, right? No, man, bring him back. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's the same principle. I mean, you, you enjoyed playing that card because of what it afforded you to do. Yeah. Um, but apparent, but they just deemed that it was... Yeah, it, that card was way too powerful for one mana. It yeah. just did too many different things. It 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 so it ramped you, yeah, it did ramped dealt you, damage, it dealt I mean, damage, and it healed you. Yeah. And on top of those three things, it took stuff out of graveyards that could be beneficial for your opponent. Yep. So you know you're getting a benefit by getting stuff out of people's graveyards, and on top of that, uh, you're getting a bonus whether it's you and, deal damage, heal damage, or gain mana yeah and one of the things that i i think um is also really important we kind of touched on it last time we talked about gaming um is to when you're when you're looking at a meta don't necessarily always just be swayed by the numbers Mm -hmm. you also have to take into account the things a you enjoy and b that you're good at and some common or some combination of that oh yeah absolutely because if, if you have a very aggressive personality, right, and you mm-hmm. want to be doing stuff right away, and you want to be in your opponent's face, and that's just where, where every time you draw cards, you're like, all right, what can I do to them? Like, right. If that's fun to you. Well, it's, it, but you're going to, here's the thing, right? It's not only if it's fun, if that's what you enjoy, that's what you're good at too, right? right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If, if that's what's fun to you, you're going to do it more. You're yep. going to play that deck more than you're going to play another and deck that's practice, a controlling right? deck. But, so you're going to get more reps with that deck. You're going to enjoy what you're doing with that deck. You're going to know that deck inside and out. And then on top of that, like, it's just what you want to be doing. So you're naturally going to be doing those things anyway. So if you're playing this other deck that doesn't do those things, your your tendency is to want to do those things Right, with so that's that what I'm deck. saying, right? You're playing this other deck that requires you to maybe hold off, play a little slower, mm-hmm. and have a specific combo. Right. But if you don't have all the stuff you need or the situation isn't just right, mm-hmm. if you start trying to do stuff you're kind of screwing yourself, Yeah. then it's probably better for you to play the, like a burn deck, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, is this considered one of the best in the format? No, not really. I mean, it's not bad, right? It's yeah. competitive. It can work. But combined with your play style makes it better. Yeah. And, and, and even though some deck might win more percentage-wise, 
but given your play style, you won't win that percentage with it. Right. Because and the other thing is, is that people, you know, you're you're not playing those people that are putting up those statistics. Yeah. You know, you're Again, not, which goes back yeah. to our Dota talk, right? You're you're if you're playing at your local game store, you're not playing the Grand Prix players. Yeah. You might play one of them. Right. Right. And, I mean, even if you are playing the grand, people that play in Grand Prix, you're not playing the people that play at the top tier of Grand Prix because they don't go to local stores and play. Right. You know, they they might occasionally do that just for like a promotional thing or just because, hey, they just want to go hang out at a game store. But those guys, they don't have time for that. Like they their thing is they're getting in reps. They're play they're either playing Magic Online and making a little bit of money doing that by streaming it. Yeah. Or or, you know, just getting in those reps, those games over and over and over. Or they're playing their other buddies that are pro players and they're just playing and they get to a point where it's like, okay, I can't win from this point. Let's just start a game now uh, all over. They don't have time to go and sit around and play for three hours and get, you know, six to nine games in, you know. Um, they're they're not going to be playing you um, for the most part. So you, you can have really good players at your stores, um, there's a lot of really good players here in Louisville that, that play competitively, but you, most of them are not going to be at those top tiers. I mean, they might occasionally hit a top tier every once in a while, but then again, you know, I mean, we kind of talked about like the statistics of that, like it's hard. just because you do it once doesn't mean that you're the best player, right. you know, it's, it's putting up those statistics over and over and over. I mean, there's plenty of people that I know of from Louisville that have done really good in Grand Prix and stuff like that, but they're not one of those top players because they, they did it and they never did it again, or they did it a couple times and then never really did it again. Um, but again, that's not to like, I don't want to dissuade anybody. No, it's no. just, I mean, it's just, it's, being, it's just, uh, but if you're playing at Friday night magic, you, you're probably just not that guy. Cause you're not getting in enough reps with that deck to know it inside and out. If you, if you're playing with a deck and you don't know how many of a certain card you still have in that deck or every single card in that deck um, you know, from what's in your hand and what's in the graveyard and everything, then you don't know that deck well enough. You don't know what your if you don't know what your chances are of drawing the card that you need to win, and you're not putting yourself in a position where you can draw that card to win, then you're not playing that deck right. Right. Um, and the only way you get to that point is is a lot of reps. And I would say that that is that advice is more applicable to a standard format than it is to commander. The, the, oh yeah, the, I mean, commander. Command, you, yeah, your chances I, for drawing when I talk stuff, about when I'm yeah. talking about that, I, you know, when I'm talking about actually competing. I'm not. I'm not considering commander. I mean, commander has there is competitive commander, but it's like I mean, it's a whole different animal, and it's not even like you it's don't play Friday thing. Night Magic commander. I mean, it's not no. the same thing. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I just think it's important, like like I was saying, to. to Really look at the meta and understand where you fit in it, and understand where your skills and your interests fit mm-hmm. within the meta. I'm not saying go play some random deck that somebody posted online, right? I'm mm-hmm. saying look at the top stuff, but understand what's going to fit best with what you want to do and how you enjoy to play yeah. the game, and and your results not only from a, a win percentage, but probably from an enjoyment, you know, are going to be better. Yeah, I mean, let's get away from magic for a second. And just talk about like. Like first person shooters again. Like yeah. what? How do you balance a first person shooter? I mean, that's got to be that's got to be one of the hardest games to balance. So, because like the only way that you're really going to balance it. Well, I, I mean, I feel like the only way that you you could the only way that you could say that a first person shooter is balanced 
is if everybody was running around with knives. So uh, that's what I was saying. Most most first person shooters aren't balanced. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry. I thought and, you said no. they they were. No. Okay. No. 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 Yeah. They they mostly aren't. Right. Which is why. Whenever I talk about playing first-person shooters competitively, the only one I talk about is Counter-Strike. Yeah. Because that's the only one that even comes close. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's just less variables, so that means it's easier to write to, to, for everyone to be on the playing field. Yeah. When you have a bunch of weapons and a bunch of physics and a bunch of crazy stuff, that, like Battlefield, will never be balanced. Yeah. There's just too it, many variables. Well, I mean, I had games where I'd drive around in a boat and go kill 70 people and die once. Mm-hmm. It's not... It, that. It's not balanced. I be like the the only reason that I was good at that game was because I figured out what was broken yeah. and just abused the piss out of it. Right. I mean, just like you know, playing old Call of Duty, uh, you know, Modern Warfare Two. I think like the P ninety yeah. was like one of the best guns in that in that game because you you could make all these perks to where you're so fast that it was hard for people to catch a bead on you. Yeah. And then you just bear down, you know, you just hold down the trigger until, what are those, 70 rounds are out of that magazine, and you've killed somebody. Yeah, I mean, Modern Warfare 2, I think I used the SCAR-H. Yeah, I used the SCAR a lot, And and then a USP-9, and the the perks Ninja, maybe, that uh, I think that made you silent and didn't Mm -hmm. show up on the radar. Yeah. And then... um, the one that made you faster, and then the mm-hmm. one that lets you kill people with I think your it was knife. Just called sprint, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And then there was one that lets you um, knife people quickly. Like your recovery between knives was faster. Yeah, that's all I'd do. Fucking, I'd have my scar in case I saw somebody that I needed to shoot. For the most part, as soon as that game started, I switched to my USP and my knife, and I'd just start running around. Yeah, because it was it was a you couldn't see me on the radar, and I would do what you were talking about earlier when you understood. You understand what the way people are going to move on this map. Mm-hmm. We well, just go the opposite way, and you're so fucking fast they can't see you on the radar, and you just knife them all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, you know that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, like how would you balance like all of the? Let's talk about Call of Duty, but just because it has so many guns in it, and you know people complain about you know one gun being broken or whatever, but it, you know most of them are only broken in the context of of where you're using that gun because you know most battle rifles are not very accurate at long range uh, in you know in those games and then sniper rifles are generally not fast enough to shoot at close range unless you're one of those guys that you're can cheating. you know um but it's like how do you balance the ranges of these weapons well you don't right the output of the weapons you just you just don't which yeah. is i mean there is a best mm-hmm. i mean there there in, in black ops 2 i remember specifically the ak74 was the best there wasn't a better gun yeah because it did a shitload of damage, it fired really fast, and none of those maps were big enough to worry about how far away you were. Mm-hmm. So they never like patched that gun. I don't know. I mean, okay. again, this has been—I don't can't remember the last time I played a Call of Duty game. So yeah. this is me going back six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, or more, seven years almost now. So um, more of the shit, more than that. That was probably 2010. So I mean, I think that's kind of inherent in it, right? Is there's a difference between balanced and making everything viable? Yeah. There, and that's where I think you get to with first-person shooters. There's going to be something that is, and, and I think that it's it's all about the spread, right? When you have like the worst equipment and the best equipment, and what's that spread? Mm-hmm. Like, how much better is the best thing than the worst thing? Right. It's like ten percent better. Right. And then how much better is the worst thing or the best thing than the average thing? Mm-hmm. Like, right. And that's going to tell you kind of is your game okay? Because you're to me, there's no point to try and make everything the same. Otherwise, like you said, we'd all be running around with the same guns. Yeah. 
which happens anyway, right? I mean, for the most part, when you play these games, especially after it's been out for a couple months, or hell, I mean, at this point, it's, like, it's been out a month. Right. Everybody understands what the best equipment is, and you're using that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that's why it's almost impossible to balance. Um, and, and, and like I said, unless you're playing Counter-Strike, and even then, I mean, there are unbalanced things. Like, if you're playing competitively, if, you know, if you're not using a pistol, you're using an op, you're using an M4, you're using an AK. Right. You don't, you're not going to buy an AUG. You're just not. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you might buy an auto sniper, maybe, but I doubt it, not at the high level. You know, you're not going to buy a, a, some random ass pistol or dual pit, dual M, not, you're not going to buy it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've never played that game, so I can't really talk too much to it, but like even within that game like if you're getting at the closer the closer ranges like one gun is obviously going to be better than the other one right yeah typically that's the M4 yeah so like that's the thing right is the AK is um really and it, it depends on your playstyle and what you're good at mm-hmm. if you prefer to be more on the move and more in people's faces and more close range the M4 is going to be the the one because it's going to fire a little faster. Mm-hmm. Its burst accuracy is a lot better, so yep. you can just hold and click and hold, and you're probably going to hit somebody in the head and kill them. Mm-hmm. The AK sprays a lot more, but it's way more powerful and way more accurate on that first click. So if you can aim and you like to to be that mid distance, still kind of a little bit mobile, but but not necessarily like running down, running people down, mm-hmm. and you can just one click them in the head. It's the best. You're going to be best with that gun, right? But if you're really reflexive and you want to be on the other, you want to be far away, right? You're going to be best with the op because if you if you hit him in the fucking leg, you kill him. Hmm. So, I mean, well, I don't know if it's that way and go. That's how it was in in the old Counter Strike, right? I can't remember how the op's damage balance now, but but for the most part, I think it's a, a main body shot is a one hit kill. Right. So. But again, if you're not if you're not good at pulling that scope up real quick and you know basically twitching it onto somebody's body and pulling the trigger before they're able to move or see and shoot you back, right? You're gonna you're if you're it's not gonna work out well. Even though mm-hmm. you saw somebody being ridiculous with it and unstoppable with it on YouTube, if you don't have those same skills, it's not gonna translate. Yeah, and you might be better off with an M4 or an AK or or maybe even one of the other guns, right? I mean, the other guns do have their benefits. Yeah. Uh you know, I, I think that uh I think that's a really good point on on how how balancing those games are is like basically you've got to balance the dis you're like not only are you you're balancing how you play the game, but you're also balancing like your your placement on the map. Yep. Um, and your your teammates are obviously going to be a part of that. Like you, do, you're not going to want everybody with M4s, even if they were the best. You probably wouldn't want everybody with no, M4s you're because you're, the other team is going to have you know the AKs, and before you get to them with the M4s, are probably going to take out a guy or two. And yep. then now you're down numbers. Like even if you even if you are better at close at close range, if you're three to five, makes you're a difference. Probably not going to win. Yeah, they're that putting fight. out you know three to five. They're putting out what. 60% more bullets. Yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, and, and then you get out, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about with balance in game design, specifically first person shooters is the map. Oh yeah. 
I mean, you look at something like Dota and League of Legends too, where you've got a, those maps are the, the map is laid out in a very specific way mm-hmm. to basically promote balance, so yeah. that so that there are certain benefits to one side and certain benefits to the other, but the, they're kind of marginal, mm-hmm. and you just have to know how to play each side. But but there's not one that's like, oh well, this drops over here, you guys are screwed. You know, it, right. there's nothing like that. Those maps, the pass, all that are designed specifically so that it's a relatively even play. It is kind of funny though because they are un, they're still left slightly unbalanced. Like in League of Legends, um, the five person map. Um, the dra- there's a dragon that most people kill at a certain level, and I can't remember what it is. But it's more towards the bottom left team, which I think is yeah. I mean, fifty percent. So chance, Ro- Roshan is. I mean, that's you're killing some. There's it's called Roshan in, in Dota, but there's a big monster you yeah. kill, and he drops a good item. Well, in this one, the dragon in this one doesn't really like. There's a bigger in this map. There's a bigger monster that's that does even more. He gives you like this big buff, but the dragon is important because he gives your whole team like a, a a good amount of money. Yeah. Um, and you can kill him over and over and over, you know, over time. No, he, he, I think he is a red dragon though. (laughs) Gosh, it's been so long since I played that, but like there is a slight advantage because if you're fighting it and the other team comes in and they try to stop you, you can teleport through the wall and you're on your side and you can still see it to kill it. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a slight unbalance to it. Now, the bigger monster is on the opposite side of the map, so he they kind of have that thing with him, but he's less important in in the map because by the time that yeah, you're going too to much kill momentum. like that, yeah, yeah. Um, if you've over and over killed the dragon at the you know the bottom dragon, you're going to have an such an incremental advantage that get them getting that buff up top is probably not going to make a difference. And that guy hits hard enough and fights hard enough that sometimes like. You can you can still kill them while they're trying to do, to to kill him or whatever, even if it's on their side of the map where they can kind of escape easier. Yeah. Um. But you know, even looking at like single player games, like how how do you how do you balance a single player game? Like you know, if you play um, Skyrim, like there's there's always like that point they're where not you balanced. become so much yeah, more I mean, powerful. Say most single player games are not balanced. Yeah. They're bad. I mean, because the points, and I think it's less important. No, I, I agree. Because you're not playing; it's not competitive. So mm-hmm. you're you're playing for the experience, um, and and you can change the difficulty level usually to kind of match your experience or mm-hmm. what how, what kind of experience you want to have. Right. Um, but I think inherently, the kind of the point is to be broken, mm-hmm. so that you feel important and you feel like that this hero character, the you know the protagonist, that always right. wins. I mean, that's the point. Yeah. Um. I think I think balance is really only relevant in multiplayer games. Obviously, you don't want to go through a, a single player game where it's zero challenge and you just look at your at the NPCs and they die. But well, at the same time, let's look at it. I mean, some single player games like they'll, it'll you like you'll be at this point the whole game where you are slightly ahead, and then you hit this one boss that's just so much more powerful than everything else. And it may not be that like his damage is more powerful. But like he, his strategy is just so different from well, see, everybody to me that, else. To me, that's not it being broken. That's strategy. To oh, I'm me, not saying it's broken. I'm just yeah. saying that that or that's not it, to me. It's not about balance, right? To me, balance is based on pure mechanics and statistics of the game. If we're talking a strategy, it's not about 
in, in a single player game at least to me that's about you under you have to learn how to beat him no i get that but it's just it it makes it a different experience when you when you meet that person so in some games i don't think that they balanced it correctly like let's say like ruby weapon in final fantasy 7 cuz i have to mention that game at least sure. once in this in this so there are only certain strategies that work on him and a lot of them you the average person is probably not going to just figure out themselves no, so like I they think... had to have some kind of strategy guide or something like that and I think that that's where, in a single-player game, like you're ruining the balance of that game. And see, like, I disagree, because that's extra, right? You don't have to do anything with Ruby no, Weapon don't, to, but to beat the game. So that's a challenge, and that's the point. Right. But I think that it should be a realistic way of beating of beating that character. Like, at a certain point, like it's not that he's just hard. If you don't play him exactly right, he's impossible. No, I know. I mean, I understand, right? But so it's a it's not again, you don't have to do anything with him to beat the game. So you you don't really and then as a completionist, it's a challenge, right? But it's not though because once you find out the strategy, but but he's he, the, he's so, nothing. So the but so okay. So you could argue that um in WoW grinding is dumb because it's not about the strategy, it's just about spending the time. It so is. <laughs> I know, but I know, and I agree. But my point is, it's a different side of the same coin, right? You have to spend the. Assuming you're not using a strategy guide, you have to spend the time to just trial and error and figure out and strategize how to win. Yeah, but that, that's what my point is with a character like him is that realistically, that's not you're not able to do that. So like, then, how how did it get in the strategy guides? I don't think it was actually in his strategy guide, like. It like that was like when the internet first started becoming a thing, and people started putting that kind of information out there. I don't remember if that was actually in the official strategy guide how to beat him. I don't. So my point though is, where did that info come from? Because people exploited things to be able to do it. Like one of the only ways to beat him is the seven 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 like the seven no, trick or the whatever. The number where you get the right or the big numbers. Yeah, it's like you get your life to 777, and then every time that you swing, you do 777 damage, like, some ridiculous number of times, like 77 times or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it works. But, like, that's one of those things that's like, you're not going to just discover that. You know what I mean? Like, it's really rare that your life is at exactly 777. You know, it's just like, it's, it's one of those things where it's basically an exploit to beat him. Okay, so maybe you're not supposed to beat it. I mean, my point is, they're, here's the thing. As creators of a game, especially a single-player game, they're under no contract to make their game beatable. They don't owe you anything. I get that. But so that, they can make but that ruins boss the balance of the for game. For you, so then don't play the game. I mean, that to me, that's the answer. Either you But would, you could say that about any game that's unbalanced. Like, if you don't sure, want to play that... I 100% agree. Yeah, but so, that's that's what I'm saying. Like there, but, but there that, should be balance in all. There should be some sort of balance in all games. Like there should. And, be, I, and I don't agree. I mean, that's where I disagree with you because that's not the core of the game. I would agree with you 100 percent if that would if you had to beat him to win, but you don't. You don't even have to. You don't even. But have you shouldn't to, have to. You shouldn't have to find an exploit 
to be able to beat the guy is what my point but is. But he's like, not – what I'm saying is if they just took Ruby Weapon out of the game, I get, I get it what would you're be saying. completely unaffected. I, I 100% get what, you get what you're saying. But it's – but why put something in the game? Because they wanted to. I mean, that's, that's... It's as simple as that, man. What about what about all the Easter eggs and stuff like that? I mean, it could be... I mean, that's that's essentially all it is, is an Easter egg. You go fight Ruby Weapon and you have to do this crazy random-ass thing to beat him. That's an Easter egg. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I think that it takes away from the game, especially for people that really... Like, like a game it, what like it sounds Final like is you struggled against Ruby Weapon for a long time and I couldn't murdered, beat him. I murdered Ruby Weapon because I knew how to beat him. But, but for the average person, I don't think that I don't think that it's right the way that they did him. Like there should be a a real strategy on how to beat the guy without exploiting the game. Actually, Final Fantasy Eleven is another really good example, and I feel like I've talked about this before. But there's a there's a boss in that game called Absolute Virtue, which when I played was impossible to beat. Like the only way that he ever was beaten was he was exploited. Um, and I, he, so he was the, the so guardian you, of C or whatever. Do you see a, a pattern here? Well, this is Final Fantasy XI, which is uh, a well, MMO. But it's, uh, the same developers, correct? Yeah, but I mean, the, uh, my context is because I've played these games and found these, these characters that are, I, I don't know, my, know a bunch of the other characters that are, no, that are my, almost impossible to beat. But my point is, if, if you're seeing a pattern, you know, then it's something they do for fun. And it's something that some people probably enjoy. I think it's poor game design. Uh, you can, I, and again, you can think whatever it is. You're allowed to have your opinion, but it doesn't make it true. In in were you in still the point of how long, how much how much time virtue? How much time was did you, poor game design? How much time did you spend playing Final Fantasy Eleven? I spent years playing that game. So if it was such a poor game design, why'd you keep playing? That part of the game was a poor game design. I didn't fight him because he was impossible to beat. So. I couldn't even play a certain part of the game because there was no point in even trying. It was just a waste of time. So maybe that's the point, is to realize it's a waste of time. But it wasn't because he dropped ridiculous stuff. But you couldn't beat him. Right. So that's my point. Until somebody exploited it and beat him, and then they got that stuff, and then they had that stuff, except for they all got banned because they exploited it. And that's my point. So, I mean, it's... There's no, there's no right or wrong. There are no rules in a sing, in, in that kind of. I was saying a single player game. That obviously wasn't single player, but there's no rules in in the game design world. And, and if they wanted to make a card game that was completely broken, and there was one card that if you just drew it and played it, you win. I think that there, I think that there is a contract between you and the and the people that are making the game to make the game in a way that it is beatable. Like, I don't think that, like, me paying my money to play this game, like, we're both agreeing that I should enjoy this game. Right? Uh, it there, depends. Your opinion of what you enjoy and their opinion of what you should... Like, this goes back down to um, some people like bourbon and some people like vodka. Right? Like, just because you don't enjoy those things... Doesn't what I'm mean somebody is else something, doesn't. Something that is technically impossible should not be in a game, except as a like is a scapegoat or I don't know what the right word is, but something that is like a false objective. Well, I mean, if it's part, it, it, 
I can I can I can kind of accept what you're saying about Ruby Weapon because there are, there are multiple ways to beat him, but most of them are really like exploitive, and it's not something that the average player is going to be. And able it doesn't to have to be. That's get, thing. I'm I'm agreeing the, with you right the now. The average that, player that, doesn't that, need yes, to do everything. In in his in his position, I somewhat agree with you. In absolute virtues, I completely disagree because he is a final boss. He is he. Um, advances the storyline and he has some of the most powerful things in the game which are obviously meant to be put in the hands of the players so was it was it just was it patched or is he still to this he day? was eventually patched yeah okay so then it's just a mistake but, but right but that's not ba- a mistake is not the same thing as bad game design that is exactly what bad game I disagree design is. A, g- a mistake game, is no there's a difference Game design is when you plan for something to be a certain way, right? Right. They planned for him to be that way, and for them, they planned for him to be impossible, even though he had items that people were supposed I mean, to get. Into apparently, because nobody could ever beat him, and they may he may have been unbeatable. They may have thought that he was beatable. There's no way that they tested that in a way that they could have beat him. I mean, there's just no way. Well, something gives. I'm not, I, and I, and I. A mistake does not make bad game design. I disagree. If if they if they put something in a game with the intention of, of it being broken or the intention of um, some specific way for it to be, but if they if they make a, I mean I don't know how long did it go unpatched. I mean years. I, I mean something doesn't add up to me. I mean have they not released a statement? Has no one talked about why it was oh, the I way it was? I don't know, man. I. Had, I haven't played that game in years, so I don't really know. But there's all the time in all the time that I played that game, he existed at least he existed for most of the time that I played that game, and I had never heard of him legitimately being beaten. And I played that game from two thousand and five until probably two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. So in 2005, well, I first started playing the game in 2003, but I didn't really get into it until 2005 because I was I was in the desert. But in 2005, he existed, and from 2005 until I would say at least 2012 or something like that, he he had never been legitimately beaten. So I mean that to me that is just I mean that's just poor game design, especially since he wasn't even like the final boss of the game, like they just started adding more expansions and you just kind of went around him. Like it just wasn't even like you just never got to see that part of the game because he locked it down. You know what I'm saying? Like you never got to finish everything because he stopped you from finishing it. Like I said, I agree with you on Ruby weapon that, that, okay, like that's, you can get away with I still think that's, that's, Somewhat poor game design, but Ruby Weapon was. Or, it's sorry, not what you like in the game, but that doesn't make it a bad game design. Okay, it doesn't I just because just because you don't under, you don't understand their design decision or you don't you don't like it doesn't maybe it's bad from your perspective, but that does not make it bad overall. Now, a final virtue, you you may very well be right. I'm I'm curious, and I'm I'm going to do some reading because it doesn't make sense to me what what you're saying. The situation does, just doesn't add up. Um, that they would put something in the game that's just unbeatable, although it drops weapons and locks off a part of the game. 
So it, I would imagine they either assumed people would be able to do something that they weren't able to do, or were just trying to fuck with people or something. But I doubt they were just like, yeah, fuck it, let's put this unbeatable thing in here that's supposed to be beaten. Those are just... I mean, it is weird, and that's why it's bad game design. <laughs> it might, but what I'm saying is, based, that's based on what you're saying, but there may be more to that story that doesn't make it bad game design. I doubt it, but we'll we'll, we'll move on from this. Uh, so, there's more games that, that find it difficult to balance. Like, if you look at, um, like, StarCraft, one of the things that they did to... Um, uh, real-time strategy games is they added like the third the third race to it um and i think that that kind of helps a balance because they're instead of it just being them balancing one to one um you have that third race that's kind of helping to add that balance it was one of the things that in warhammer online really bothered me that there was only two two um sides you had the alliance and you had destruction um whereas the game that was a precursor to that game was um dark age of camelot and in that game they had three they again had three um alliances or whatever that they kind of helped balance things um you know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at balancing things instead of it just being, you know, like I said, like a one-to-one, like you, you're you comparing, you know, if you go back to first-person shooters, comparing the M4 to the AK right. by having that third weapon that had a little bit longer range. You had variability. It kind of yeah. helped. Yep. It kind of helped it just being, you know, this, this standoff where people don't want to come close enough to be able to get shot by the AK and then you have people that don't want to, you know, get even closer because they can't handle that, the M4 or whatever. Um, and then you added the sniper rifles and whatnot to that. Um, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can, you can balance games without it just being a direct adding a one for one, um, you know, change to it. Like this guy is slightly too powerful. So we tone just him down or, do you beef everybody else up slightly to kind of to compensate for that? Yeah. I mean, again, there are multiple ways to skin a cat, I guess. Um, and I think, again, it's all about really just standard deviation, right? Like how much is this thing better than this thing and how much worse is this thing than this thing? And kind of just making sure that overall that's kind of on an average. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, there's no other way to do it. Otherwise, like I said, you would you would be playing. Um, everybody would be doing the exact same things in the game, and it would all be down to randomness mm-hmm. and and or dumb luck kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, which is not any fun either, mm-hmm. um, because that variation, even though it's small, adds its own randomness to the game and its right. own source of you know. Um, balance if you will um outside of even though it might be a little worse because it like you said it adds a different strategy now these other two things have to cope with that strategy mm-hmm. and develop other tactics and it changes changes the way that they play and therefore it's not just the same two again right you're doing right. different stuff which is different than what you had before and it all is kind of just this collective environment of of the way to play the game i, I don't know um Again, I think there are really no rules. I don't think 
Um, unless it's multiplayer, I think you kind of do have to make a game balance so that somebody's not just way more powerful than somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it just doesn't make sense. But in a single player game, I don't think there are any rules. They can call it good or bad game design or whatever. But I mean, if they want to, if they want to make the level one boss unbeatable, they can do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Would I necessarily enjoy that? No, that's why I don't play those games. But I guarantee you there's somebody out there that wants to try. I guess. But, I mean, again, you don't have to, you don't have to understand or, or agree I, with it personally. Yeah, I mean that's I, and it, and if it, I mean it, it doesn't make it. Like I said it doesn't make it in a single player environment. To me, it doesn't make it bad, quote unquote, game design. Because it's, if the if the first boss is impossible to beat. You don't think that that's bad game design? I mean, impossible is... I don't think anything is... That's probably the wrong one. Impossible, no, but extremely difficult or whatever. I mean, Dark Souls is a good example, right? It's very difficult the entire way through. Yeah, but it but Dark Souls is a balanced game in that when you start to understand the strategies, you, you can progress fairly easily like if you watch somebody who's been playing that game for a while they just flow through it because they understand yeah how the game works those those mechanics and stuff like that where my problem is is that where it doesn't follow the normal mechanics of the game and you have to use something that either you were never taught you were never expected to use in the game to beat to beat that thing like if if we were playing Magic and I just busted out a card that was indestructible and stopped you from doing what you, you wanted to do, um, I think that you would consider that bad game design because there's now all of a sudden, just because this one thing is out, you can't play the game anymore. Like, you haven't necessarily lost the game, but now you have no choice on whatever to do because there's there's nothing that you can do at this point without some kind of exploit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that's the way that I look at that kind of thing. To me, the reason that that's bad game design is because it takes you out of what the normal mechanics of the game are and the things that, that, that this unspoken agreement that you have with the part, you know, the creators that this game isn't going to be a completely different game for one instance in the game. I mean, that makes sense. I don't know. I, I just, I, I guess it's it's hard for me to say it's not bad game design if, if it ends up being a bad game, right? And to me, um, I don't know. I guess when we're talking about game design and balance, those are two different things. And I mean, and, and something being really hard is fine, like I said, but it should be it should be hard within the normal mechanics of the game. Like if if you're telling me that I have to have perfect twitch movements. Um, to beat this boss in Dark Souls, I don't think that that's completely unfair. You know what I'm saying? But if if there's attacks that you can never get away from ever, and you just automatically die just because it rolled this random attack, then I think that that's poor game design. Yeah, I mean, I get uh, yeah, but it it. it I guess my only exception would be if it's not the only, like, 
in the case of Ruby Weapon, it's not crucial to the game. I mean, maybe with your absolute virtue thing, it is crucial to the game, but it sounds like you're still able to play and beat the final boss, right, or whatever. It was just that little thing you couldn't do. Right, but it was an important part of the game. I mean, it was it was something that you should have been able to do. I mean, you could say that. I mean, you could just say that you just don't play any of the end game stuff and enjoy the game, and that's fine, but the game is designed to be played in the end game. I mean, that's what that's what the final goal for that game is, is to play play that point. But anyway, I, I think that, that it's hard to find a perfect balance for games, um, but I think that it's important that that developers work towards balancing games to right. a point where they are playable and they're, I mean, obviously the most important part is that they're fun for the people, the audience that they're trying to, to go after. Like you said, with dark souls, I'm not the audience for that game. Like I'm never, yeah, yeah. I'm never going to enjoy a game like that. Um, and for me, that game might be impossible because I just don't have the, the skill set to be able to beat that game. But if if it's obvious that there is a way to beat that game and it's just based off of skills that I haven't developed, I don't think that that's unfair. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I think we've kind of gone on long enough about about <laughs> balance. Um, what we don't have any events coming up this weekend, do we? Um, so there. Hold on, let me pull the schedule. So um, we have a couple things going on. I don't know if they're this weekend. Let me see. Where's their, their uh, so Saturday uh, the twenty sixth, which is this weekend? Um, Guy Gilchrist will be at the destination. Okay. Um, so Guy is a is an artist, I think. So he's done some comic book work and some, the Muppets and some stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so he'll be at the destination. This is not an, it's not a nerd like me event, but it is one of our partners' events. So I figured I'd let you guys know. Um, also on Saturday, it looks like. Um, Excuse me. Cardinal Gaming is having a Pokemon pre-release for the new uh, team up set. Um, okay. And then let's see. The week after that, um, on Saturday, uh, we will be at Hideaway. Okay. So and then of course Magic Mondays. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. In between those two, we will be at uh, Cardinal on Monday playing Magic. But yeah, that's that's what it is. So if you guys are interested in, in guys' work, check it out at the destination. If you guys haven't been to the destination, you like comics and, and memorabilia and stuff, you know, head on out there, um, check it out. They got a pretty cool little store. Um, or if you play Pokemon or are interested in playing Pokemon, um, they're having that pre-release event at Cardinal on Saturday too. Um, so even if we don't have something going on, usually our our partners do. So you know, be sure to check that stuff out. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I really don't have anything else for you guys. Um, I appreciate you listening. Uh, let us know what you think the best way to watch uh, Dragon Ball Z is, or Dragon Ball how to how to how you would watch that. I guess if you were some if you were to introduce it to somebody new, um, and then let us know too what what your thoughts on uh, some of the most broken or uh, unbalanced stuff in games is, or what what you think is there something you've had a really hard time with, or. Um, something you thought was unfair or done really well or done really poorly. I'm kind of curious to hear you guys thoughts on that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for you this week, guys. We really appreciate it and we'll catch you next week. Peace.